may be seated. You may be seated. Um, we've been going through a series, uh, a expositional, a topical exposition uh, through uh, a series talking about how God changes stories, how God uh, interrupts people's lives. Our assumption biblically is that no one seeks after God. Somebody should have said amen right there. The Bible says no one seeks after God. In other words, God, you're not looking for God. God looks for you because he's not the one lost. We are. And so God, the story changer, assumes that we're after our own good, uh, uh, but good from a fallen perspective. And God comes in uh, to intervene, to change us from spiritual death to spiritual life through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. However, the story doesn't end there because God now begins his story with us, even though his story transcends our story. His story is his work in history to bring his story into our story. And as he does that and as he breaks through all of the barriers in our life, when you become a believer, uh, you got to recognize that, 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 that uh, although you are transformed and brought into a new relationship with Christ, you still, God has still some work to do in your life. And so he's progressively continuing to work and to change you, to break you, to pull stuff out, to wash you, to renew you, to, to empower you to be all that he wants you to be. And in that reality, you're not just called to your story, you're called to spread his story. In other words, you're called to make great his story. And so the legacy of the people of God has always been to make known the one who has interrupted their lives, who when he interrupts your life, you, and you realize uh, later that it really wasn't an interruption, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to you. And when you realize that it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you uh, for Christ to come and get you and roll up his sleeves and put on flesh and become, uh, uh, become a man, taking on an additional nature to come get you, it should excite you. But it, but it not only should excite you that he came and got you, it should excite you that he's still with you. And, and the fact that he's still with you through all that you're working through and through all that you're frustrated with, through all that you heard about, through all that you're looking out for, everything that you're going through and everywhere you are, God's there with you. God didn't come save you and drop you off in your life. He came and saved you and stayed in your life. And that's a magnificent reality. And so our calling is to spread that. And so it's no different than the people of God in the Old Testament where um, Moses' generation um, died off in the wilderness and Joshua's generation came up. And Moses' generation was a ragtag generation that experienced God's grace. Um, then Joshua generation was a generation that was partially obedient um, uh, to, to experiencing and walking through um, the grace of God. And then there became a generation that came up after them that were still stragglers with their knowledge of the word of God. But they did not pass the truth of God's word based on Deuteronomy chapter 6 to the generation that came after them. So that when they, when they died off, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 that there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. You, you better be careful when a generation comes uh, uh, up that doesn't know the Lord. It's not that generation's fault. It's the generation before them's fault. If your children don't know the Lord, at least you, you don't save them. But if, if you, listen, listen, if your children don't, haven't been exposed to the Lord, it's your fault. If, if your children haven't heard the word of truth, it's your fault. If your children don't know at least who Jesus Christ is, even if they reject them, it's your fault. There should be a concerted effort, not just for your children, but everybody that comes after you. And so, and so, that, and so we come into a passage that's the first Corinthians of the Old Testament, Judges. 
Judges, it, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the book that the people of God were losing their minds. They were losing their minds because there was no commitment to the Word of God in their time period. There was no viable leadership, and so God began still to work among them. And there's a, there's a theme throughout the book, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord brought in the Philistines, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Amazites, the, the Kakites, the, the Jokerites, the people. All of these ites came in and tore them up. But then it says, and then they cried out to the Lord their God, and the Lord had mercy on them. And the Lord raised up a judge, and the Lord came in and delivered them. Isn't it good that God doesn't let your stupidity stop him from coming after you? Let me tell you, y'all ain't going to talk about this. Listen, I'm so glad that, that the foolishness of my foolishness doesn't keep the Father from being faithful to me. And, 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 so, and, so, and so in this passage, we see, uh, uh, we see the corridors of the grace of God, and it's no different as we come here because the subject purpose statement of this book is uh, Judges chapter 17, verse 2. Don't turn it. The, the children of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. And in other words, whatever they thought was good for them, they didn't care what God said to them. They based what they did off of what they wanted. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. I, 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 I'm going to come back to that in a second, but we, come, we came through a bunch of judges. We had Othniel. We, 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 had, we had all different types of judges. We had uh, 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 Deborah. We had uh, Gideon. We had Jephthah. And now we come to the last judge that closes the doors before the book of Ruth on the period of the judges, and it's the last judge that's supposed to be a climactic judge, and this judge's name is Samson. Samson means son. He has a great story. He has a great story in the beginning anyway. Um, you know, Samson uh, was born um, in very, very miraculous circumstances. An angel showed up to his mom. There's only a few occasions where that happens, of course, that happened with Abraham and Sarah, that happened with Zechariah and his wife, and, uh, 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 you, you know, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And when we see it here, it, it happens a few times. And Hannah, uh, this happened with her as well, uh, her and Elkanah. But here we see here that she was barren. His mother was barren, and an angel showed up at her crib and said, yo, you about to have a child soon. This is what I want you to do. I don't want money to be on no, no you can't drink no drink. You can't even eat no grapes. You know what I'm saying? Don't touch nothing unclean. You know what I'm saying? I want you to fall back from all that. She's like, okay, God, let me go tell my husband. He disappears. Boom. She goes over here, tells her husband, yo, this dude showed up. I think he was like some type of angel, but this is what he told me. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. But... Then, then Manoah was like, wow, love this situation, but I need him to talk to me because you can't come to me telling me the God spoke to you and he don't speak to me. He speak to me too. Some of y'all are the same way. And so, and so, and so, the angel, so the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord shows up, shows up, boom, shows up in the midst. And she said, whoa, wait right here. My husband tripping. I want him to see you too. So she runs over, says, Manoah, he here. He says, he here. All right, Manoah comes over. Boom, comes into the room. Wow, this is the angel of the Lord. Wow, see, I told you, husband. Wow, see, you know. And so they just, they just, they just going, right? And so they're like, all right. He said, this is what I want y'all to do. So the parents are like, all right, we, we ain't cutting his hair. I can't have no liquor. I can't, I got to go on a, you know, boom. She's like, we good. Nazarite vow. You know what I'm saying? So he's not taking the long-term Nazarite vow. I mean, the short Nazarite vow based on number six. He takes a, he has to take, a, numbers nine, he has to take a lifetime Nazarite vow, which means, Nazarite means to be set apart from not just the world, but even the people of God. 
In, 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 other, in, other words, in other words, in other words, he's doubly set apart. In other words, there's some different responsibilities that's put on him other than everybody else. He has a miraculous birth. That's just say, boom, this dude's going to be a beast for God. I mean, he's a Nazarite, so he got to grow dreadlocks for the rest of his life. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's bearded like dudes are now. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I mean, I mean this is supposed to be crazy, right? Um, but then we come and recognize this dude, Samson's life, which brings me to my first and only point. Um, it's only one point of the story, really. God's commitment to his dash story trumps our lack of commitment to him. God's commitment to his story trumps our lack of commitment to him. Now, I'm going to just tell you, this is the weirdest, jaded story in the Bible to me. I, but, 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 but it's to magnify something greater than what's in this story. Look at what we see um, we, we see here in the passage, it says, Samson went down to Timnah. Somebody say, went down. Amen. Now, you see this word, went down, four times in the passage. Uh, um, you see it in verse 1, verse 5. Um, you see it in, I think, verse 9, no, verse 10, and verse 19. This is a narrative prose. And what I mean by narrative prose is the repetition in this narrative the Bible is an artistic book. How many of you know that? My artist, you got to recognize that it was written in different genres. And so different ancient artistic prose was utilized by the Spirit to show us different things that we should notice. So repetition makes us raise our head. Went down in the Old Testament is an interesting uh, idea as a verb because you see it in Jonah. When Jonah uh, went down to Joppa and when he got to Joppa, he paid, he, 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 he uh, chartered a ship, and then he went down to the bottom of the ship. In other words, what happens is, is this idea of narrative prose of went down is the idea of having a high calling, but viewing uh, promotion differently than God does. See if I can make it plain. In, in, in other words, in the world's eyes, some of the things that you do on your grind can look like you want to come up physically, but spiritually to God, it's a going down. Let me see what I mean. A, 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 a spiritual, a natural promotion in man's eyes could be a spiritual demotion in God's eyes. So you got to make sure that what you get promoted to, that you don't, that you don't, that you don't view it the, the wrongly without seeking the face of God. Because just because you go up the corporate ladder, but you don't see your family no more, that may be going down versus going up. You may got a more beautiful person that you're trying to date, and you look like you want to come up. Y'all taking selfies together, got hashtag we together, hashtag date life, hashtag love and all of that. But God hashtag I'm not in it. Down, down, down. Some of us don't recognize the heights of what God called you to. Some of you don't recognize that God has made all kinds of investment for you to do things for him, all kinds of investment to honor his name, all kinds of investment to lift his name up, all kinds of investment, but like Samson, we squander it. So we come here and we see he went down to Timnah. What did he go down to Timnah to do? Look at my man. He saw. Somebody say he saw. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Watch out for what you see. He saw one of the Philistines, the daughters of the Philistines, 
Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, son, is, is there not a woman, I mean, among the daughters of our relatives or among our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father and mother, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. You know, see, our problem is, is that when God gives us a sphere of freedom, we view it as chains of bondage. God didn't say he couldn't have a wife. He just said you can't have them as a wife. But what happens with us is when we see God give us boundaries, we automatically want what's off limits. And what begins to happen is, is you begin to do what Samson does. It's, it's a selfish passage. Verses 1 to 3, it says, he saw, I saw, for me, my wife, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. In other words, he began walking in his senses, not the Savior. Oh, help me. If I, could, if I could just parenthetically pause right there and ask you a question, are you led by the Spirit or are you led by your senses? Because, see, when you're led by your senses, guess what? You, you operate under a different rubric. You operate up under a different philosophy because now you want life. You want God to build life around you versus you living your life around him. And so Samson is called to a high calling, but now he's going to some folks that's off limits to him because he doesn't see what God has provided as enough for what he wants because his desires trump what God wants for him. Be careful, people of God, when you allow your desires to trump what God has for you. When God calls you to a higher calling, it's a, it don't learn through foolishness. Don't, don't have to always learn from experience. Sometimes you should just let the detour be the detour. You ain't only got, why you always got to learn from experience? That's why, that's why wisdom is in the Bible. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, sub-definition, watching out for foolishness and fools so you can learn from fools what not to do. And so we come here to, and, and we see he is passionate about this. In other words, he has sensory commitment versus spiritual commitment. He goes from being distinct to walking in instinct. And he says something interesting. His parents ask him that question, and it's this interesting. And the Hebrew is the same as the English here. I wish I would have told my mama and my daddy, get her for me. Oh, my God. I, I just had, like, I'm sorry, I just had, like, movie flash baggage. I mean, I mean, this dude, I mean, I don't know if he, like, Superman, like you guys trying to spank Superman, and Superman, like, go get the belt, Carl, Carl, I mean, uh, uh, Clark. Clark goes, like, here, beat me, you know what I'm saying? But but here he's, you know, I I don't know with Samson whether or not his parents are intimidated by him or what, but, but, but they're willing to go with his compromise instead of leading him in his distinctiveness. And so, and, so, and so he says, get her for me, which shows his disrespect 
for the spiritual authority that his parents are supposed to be in his life. You know that you are not walking in the high calling of what God has for you in your life when you can't respond right to the spiritual authority that God has put in your life. Whenever you see the spiritual authority in your life as keeping something from you, really it's not your issue with the authority in your life. It's really your issue with God in your life. And see, 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 God put his parents in his life as a grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Some of y'all, we, we have deterrence in our life that God has set up in a beautiful way to keep us from being the, the fools we could be. See, I'm not as full of a fool as I used to be, but I still got some foolery in me. And so I'm, but I'm glad for the, 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 the fool deterrence that's in my life to help me to be less of a fool than I was so that my foolery can go down as I grow spiritually. Okay, and so, and so, and so, 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 so he, well, well, this idea of his desire is pregnant, a uh, uh, mass prevalent in the passage. His father, it's interesting, his father and mother, the Bible says, did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. This is interesting. That, it, this, this is weird to me. I, I mean, Samson here, God doesn't have to use this opportunity. He doesn't have to. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he's chosen to use Samson. Now, in him choosing to use Samson, it's interesting that God had such a calling on his life that was so powerful that God was determined to use him. Powerful. The issue that's the problem, though, is the only way God could use him was as a fool. In other words, the only way God was navigating in his life to use him was utilizing his sinful unresponsiveness despite his lack of commitment to him. I, 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 now, now, some of y'all say, hallelujah. I don't want God to use me like that. I, like, I don't want to be going off into something. God said, I'm going to use you anyway, but you are going to be messed up in the midst of your stupidity. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want to all, see, see, I want God to, I, I, I know it's all the grace of God, but I don't want it to be like that. I mean, this dude was supposed to be a beast, knock out armies, hit a dude once, put his fist through like five of them, bring them back, throw them into 10 of them, and then, you know, grab all of their swords come out of their hands, and he throw like 15 of them, hit all of them. I mean, he's, a, he's supposed to be like a beast. Like, that's movie worthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine one dude on the battle with cat plumbing around? Cat, cat get, just getting cats. This guy, love it. Bone come out of here. Yeah, I'll throw it at that dude. You know, I just, you know, that's what he's supposed to be. That's what he's supposed to be. But Samson is driven by his sexual desires. And he's so driven by his sexual desires is this is the medium. But God is so sovereign that even your sinfulness can't stop what he decrees. That was, that's what makes him the hero of the story. Not Samson the hero of the story. So it says, here it is again, Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah. They came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Now, stop. 
right there. Now, 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 see, some of us read the Bible, we just be reading it. Now, I, I'm just, now, my wife know me real well. Then we went in this cabin one time, we had a little retreat away. And I heard some sounds. Now, now let me say, I'm a city dude, so I'm used to pop, 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 woo, woo, you know. You know, that's what I'm used to. Hey, shut up, you make me sick. See, I'm, I can sleep through that. But I heard, I'm looking, I'm looking, God dang it. My wife, my wife, I'm like, what's, what in the world? I'm like, my, you know, my wife's family from the country. So she's like, no, nah, that's just coyote. Just, what, huh? Just coyote. They run in packs and they eat people. I'm here. I'm here all kinds of, all right, all right. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm up nervous, like in the bed, nervous, shook, right? You know what I'm saying? And so when I come to pastors like this, like when, I, when we went to this place one time, we went to this spot with some friends, went to this cabin. He said, yeah, every now and then mountain lion come down and bears. I'm like, like where they, what, what, what area of the farmland they be on? Because see, I'm not going to go over there. I'm not. And so Samson noticed part of the area got lions. What are you doing over there? Listen, I, ain't got, I don't have any fantasy about being on that geo. I'm saying, yeah, man. You should have saw it, man. The bear started coming after me, man. And, man, I was running, and I'm videotaping, going like this, back in the dude with back in the, So I'm just giving you, like helping you. See, this is wild, right? So he goes, now the, the lion's roaring. Now I'm just letting you know. We was at the Philadelphia Zoo, and about 4 or 5 o'clock, the lions get hungry. And they go, ooh. I'll be looking around like, like, he ain't even raw. He just, ooh, ooh, they talking to each other, ooh, and doing all that kind of carrying on. I'm like, babe, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. Right? Now, now I'm just trying to help you see. The dude is roaring. Now, soon as I hear the first of it, peon, I'm gone. But look at, look at, look at this. Now, the Bible says a lot that the Spirit of the Lord came upon people. But look at the grace of God. The lion is coming after him. And the text said the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. In other words, he needed God quickly. He didn't, he didn't listen, he didn't need God to, you know, here I come and wait till the lion get up on him. God is so gracious to this fool here who's going to do no good and he rushes on him Fast enough to come on him. So he goes, he like, wow, come on, lion. And the Bible says he tore shorty open. Wow. Now, I don't even know if I had a wherewithal spirit of God come upon me. I'm going to start worshiping. But he, he went, yeah. So I'm just trying to see. So he tears the lion open as one tears a young lamb open, right? And then goes and starts walking back to get shorty. A miracle just happened, bro. A miracle just happened as a grace to stop you from doing what you were doing so that God could show you, even though you're not walking with me, I'm still going to be good to you. Listen, don't be so blind in your life 
that you can't see a miracle from God in your situation. Miracles aren't ever done for miracle's sake. Miracles are done to show you that God is active and he's wanting to do something in you, not just on you. Oh, y'all not going to talk back? In other words, the, 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 miracle, the miracles that God do in your life is supposed to drive you to his presence. The miracles that you do in your life is supposed to say, what am I doing, God? The miracles that God does in your life is to pull you back towards him. Listen, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but all I'm saying is that when God does a miracle in your life, when he turns your situation, when he breaks stuff, when he removes obstacles, you ought to have sense enough to lift his name. You ought to have some sense. You, better, you ought to have some sense. You ought to have some sense to follow the living God. But what does the text say he does? The text <coughs> says that then he went down and talked to the woman. Hold on. And didn't tell his parents. How you? Hold on. You just tore open a lion and you didn't tell nobody. God was good to you, and you couldn't tell nobody about it. God saved your life, and you couldn't tell nobody. God showed you and helped you through dangers seen and unseen, and you can't tell nobody. I wonder what God is doing for you right now. I wonder what God is working out right now to where you sitting on your Watusi and you can't give him the honor and the glory and praise for miraculously coming through on your behalf. I don't know about you, but ain't no rocks going to cry out for me. I'm just letting you know. I'm letting you know when he set me free, when he healed me, when he works it out, if you see me run, don't get mad at me because I got to tell the goodness of the Lord while I'm still in the land of the living. I got I to gotta tell it, huh? Uh, you can call me a sucker. You can call me a church boy. Call me whatever, but I'm just thankful. I'm just glad of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. We got to move. Let me, before I run down Diamond Street, let me, help me today. And then he says, get her. She's right in my eyes again. So he looks past what God did and looks at his desires once again. The plot gets thicker and deeper. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, after some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass. Now, listen to me. What are you doing over there again? I'm just, this is real practical. Like, I'm not going where I saw the lion last time unless I'm in one of them Range Rovers with the high tops on it and the glass where they can't get in there. Anyway, I know they had that back then, but anyway, a chariot or something. Um, look, and it was a carcass. Behold, it said, and behold, there was a swarm. Somebody say swarm. Swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them 
that he scraped the honey from the carcass of a lion. It's a couple of things in here that's interesting. Okay, so this is very quick decay over this time period. Two things that you must see here. The word swarm here is better translated community. The normal word for swarm in the Hebrew isn't used here. The word here means community of people who are assembled for God's purposes. God gives him a second miracle. There are no maggots. There are no flies, just bees and honey. Inside, bees don't make hives inside of animal carcasses. See, when you're blind to God's work, you won't see a miracle when you're trying to do your own thing. Couldn't even notice it. All he needed was something sweet in his belly. See, don't just get the enjoyment out of the miracle. Get God out of the miracle. <laughs> now let's go back to this idea of these bees being there. All scholars, and I agree with them, state that this was a larger sign in Samson's story. Because you see this decaying carcass with life, sweet life, being developed in the midst of it. God is prophesying to him. God is saying in the decay of everything that's going on around you, everything's coming apart and decaying down to the bone. But in the midst of that, I've called you to flourish. I've called you to be a sweet savor in the midst of decaying circumstances. Why in the world would you live below the sweetness of who I've made you to be? Because my name is on you. And when my name is on you, my name is sweet. My Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. And all, see, if he wouldn't have tasted the honey, but he had a taste of the Lord, he would have sought a miracle. God has, God has called you. Everything around you could be decaying. That's how you made. You was made to be in the midst of death. You was made to be in the midst of stuff falling apart. You was made to be in the midst of brokenness. You were made to be in the midst of a mess, but God has called you to swarm in the midst of that stuff and be fruitful and cause sweet aromas to him that supersede the death that's all around you. That's what the story changer does. That's what the story changer does. He can make a mess a farm. Help me today. He can bring fruitfulness out of futility. He can bring transformation out of brokenness. And he can bring out of a mess the message that he wants you to communicate. It's crazy here. How Samson in the midst of this disregards it again. I'm confused by this guy. I'm confused. Then he goes, takes some honey in his hand. But what's funny <coughs> is he killed the lion with nothing in his hand. Do you understand what happened there? Then he picks something up in his hand while it's dripping on the ground, breaking his Nazarite vow because he's not supposed to touch any dead thing. He was supposed to look at it and see God's miracle, not touch it 
and experience the miracle. Scoops up the honey, takes it to his parents, and feeds them. Several things. I wish I had time. Several things here. He's willing to go to the people that God came to to set him aside so that he wouldn't get defiled. But he's so messed up that he'll go to the people that God called to set them aside to defile them when they worked so hard for him not to be defiled. See, when you messed up and you ain't got no sense in your head and you're acting foolish, you will spread the mess that you're in. But then doesn't it look like Adam and Eve all over again? And they took it and he defiled them and didn't tell them where they got it from. So some mess, some mess, he's so blind to miracles, and it blows my mind at where he is. But it's interestingly enough, at that at the end of Samson's life, you know, he's, this is his first girl. He didn't get up marrying her. He, like, called her a derogatory name because she betrayed him. This is a thug, so betraying a thug is just different than just betraying anybody, Right? We'll talk about that in a second. This dude's thug ministry all day. <laughs> then, next chapter, he goes down and he's just chilling, going down in the land. He goes, nobody bothers. Like, this dude can go into anybody's neighborhood, nobody bothers him. It's crazy to me. Going to somebody's neighborhood, you get jumped back then, just like you do now. He goes into the neighborhood, goes and gets a prostitute. Like, he's known as a judge of Israel. In front of everybody, goes and hitting prostitutes, boom, with her. Then, he gets with Delilah. Delilah, you know, he's all up in his Nazarite vow, but people think it's strength in his hair. Strength isn't in his hair. And, 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 and be, be, what, what happens with Delilah uh, um, is, is she ends up pressing him to the point through sexual enticement of her getting with him over and over and over again. And the sexual connection he had with her caused him to be des- desensitized to his calling. The Bible says she wore him down. That's what the Bible says. He, she wore him down, and he says, words that I'll never forget. He says, if you cut the locks from my head, I'll be like everybody else. Why in the world would you want to be like everybody else? When you go after your own desires, You can be broken down to just wanting to be like everybody else. And when they said the Philistines are upon you, Samson, he tried to break the chains and didn't know that the Lord was no longer with him. They came in and took Samson and gorged his eyes out. And he became a comedian court jester in the court of the king. And so one day they wanted entertainment, brought Samson out of the dungeon in in chains. Young kid, bring him in. And as the young kid brings him in, he, <coughs> this is your man, put me against the main pillars, the main columns. I just want to lean on him. He said, he said, put my hand, he feels him. He said, good. And for the first time in Samson's story, he prays. Why does God have to put you through all of that for you to finally Open your mouth and pray. You shouldn't have to have your eyes gorged out for you to give him some praise. 
And he said, Lord. For the first time we hear him say, Lord. The, the, the most anointed judge in the book says the name of Yahweh one time. And it was only for him to deal with his enemies, not God's enemies. Still hasn't learned his lesson. He leans up against the pillar. Let me avenge my enemies. Boom. Crushes down on hundreds of people. Now, I'm going to just tell you, the most controversial passage in Scripture to me <laughs> that blows my mind is Hebrews chapter, 30, uh, chapter 11, verse 32 through 38. That's what it says. I, 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 now, I want you to wonder, after hearing what we just heard, like, help me with this, okay? <clears throat> and what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David, and, Samson, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, what? <clears throat> now, this is in the Bible. Through, where? Through faith, wow, conquer kingdoms, enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead, by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains, and they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this passage because God shows that even in the midst of all of Samson's foolishness, that act was an act of faith. To fulfill his mission, even at the end of his life, and even at the expense of his life. But don't get high on Samson too quick. Because Hebrews is not about Samson. It's not about David. It's not about Saul. It's not about Paul. It's not about Abraham. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus being better than everybody. <laughs> so what makes Samson good? He points to Jesus. He points to Christ. How does he point to Christ? He points to Christ because his name means son, S-U-N. Jesus is the S-U-N of righteousness. He's the bright and morning star, which is the son. But then he had a miraculous birth, just like Samson. He had enemies, just like he was sold for silver, just like Samson. At the end of his life, he died to put away his enemies 
just like Samson. But at the end of the day, Jesus not only died to destroy his enemies, he died for his enemies. So at the end of the day, Jesus says, you search the scriptures. For in, you, you, in them you think you find eternal life. But all of them speak of me. He says in Luke 24, he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he told them all the things in all of scripture concerning himself. When he hovers over Samson's life, he begins to show the reality that the Christ was to suffer many things and die at the hands of his enemy. But Samson died and didn't get up from the grave. But Jesus Christ, when he was crucified on the cross and he put away death and tore the temple from top to bottom, he came back on the third day with all power in his hand to transform those who had destroyed him. What a wonderful story that Jesus is the better Samson. The hero of God being the story changer is Jesus. The hero of your story isn't your bank account. The hero of your story isn't your new house. The hero of your story isn't your new spouse. The hero of your story isn't that you got to move out the hood. The hero of your story isn't all anything else but the fact that God saved you through Jesus Christ and he's taken you through everything that he wants you to be through Christ's finished work on the cross. I'm done. My prayer, my prayer today, my prayer today is that we would recognize the story changer. We don't patternize us, we don't pattern ourselves after Samson. We don't. We don't sin that grace may abound. We pursue holiness because of what Christ has done for us. So my prayer is that we won't be used merely in spite of. We will be used because of what Christ has done for us. Every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him as Savior in the pardon of your sins. Meaning putting your faith in him and what he's done for you on the cross. God pouring out his wrath on Christ while he was in his incarnation on earth, put out his anger towards him. He poured it out on him so that he wouldn't have to pour it out on you in hell forever, you and I. If we put our confidence and faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, <clears throat> maybe you're here today.